Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Lady Justice, totally beautiful, right? I mean, you know she's blindfolded. Yeah, she's got a blindfold on. And why is that? Why do they give her a blindfold? Well, so she would not treat friends differently from strangers or rich people better than poor people. Isn't that beautiful? Just be objective and impartial. Democrats have ruined all that stuff. They took off the blindfold. However, they have turned a blind eye to Joe Biden and the obvious, obvious corruption. There's no evidence. Here's some evidence that's been debunked. Here's some more evidence that's baseless. <laughs> no matter what you do, Joe Biden is innocent. Here's some evidence. A text message from Hunter to one of his children. Don't worry, unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. That is evidence. The whole thing is about <laughs> their making money and sharing it with the father. Uh, this is evidence. They may not believe it. They may not say that it's definitive, but it's evidence. And so is this. We have some tidbits from the House Oversight Committee. This photograph, you've probably seen it before. Joe Biden in Cafe Milano with Hunter and two guys from Kazakhstan. Yes, Kazakhstan. Just before that meeting, and we have this from Devin Archer, $142,000 wired to the Bidens, Hunter, from Kazakhstan, a Kazakh oligarch, so he could buy a Porsche 911 right there that retail for, in 2015, $142,000. Here's Devin Archer actually saying that out loud to the House Oversight Committee. Why did Rosemont Seneca uh, receive this $142,000 payment from Rakashev, the guy from Kazakhstan. It was for a car. Whose car? Hunter's car. And yes, it was a Porsche. Also, at that, uh, at, at least two dinners at Cafe Milano, the fancy hotspot in Washington, D.C., with Joe Biden was the mayor of Moscow's wife. Her, for some reason. And for some reason, she sent $3.5 million to the Biden uh, LLC. Why would she do that? We believe, oh, by the way, she took this picture. She's the photographer. Yes, the, uh, the wife of Moscow, all happy together. Uh, this is very suspicious, but they're not in trouble. But Donald Trump is, again, <laughs> for this, for this, for these messages. They're trying to get him in trouble for his truth social posts. And not one say from like, January 4th of 2021 or December when he was contesting the election. I mean, like today and yesterday when he made fun of Mike Pence, he called him little Mike Pence. And they say that's badgering a witness. And yes, they want to charge him for it. If Mr. Trump continues to target witnesses, right, for intimidation and harassment, he's committing another crime post indictment. And if the government decides that the conduct is serious enough and they can prove his corrupt intent, they can charge him with that, too. 
Why not charge it with everything? I mean, the whole thing's a sham. Why not add to it? He's a former federal prosecutor. And what they do is this all day long uh, in mainstream media, daydream about how to get Trump worse than they've already gotten him. Tanya Chutkin is the judge. And she, according to our legal experts here, has been such a jerk with the Trump team. I mean, on the little things like, you know, you must be here on Monday morning. But, Judge, we have an appointment. Could we possibly meet you on Wednesday afternoon? No, Monday morning. That kind of stuff. It's a bad, bad sign. And they're also trying to make her into a hero. You know, that MAGA wants to get her. I want her to live to be 100. I also want her to recuse herself because she's not impartial like our blind friend. Security for Judge Chuck and his increased at the federal courthouse in Washington as Trump is stepping up his attacks on her. We are in unique circumstances here. It's probably unprecedented that a high profile defendant in this case makes such overt threats. To be clear, this is not normal. This security is not really for the potential defendant, Donald Trump. It is security against the threat posed by his frequent attacks on prosecutors, on judges, on witnesses. You know, calling somebody little or calling somebody biased or pointing out that the judge worked at Hunter Biden's law firm at the same time Hunter Biden worked there. That's not hate speech. That's constitutionally protected speech. What they're trying to do is besmirch MAGA. They're trying to make this about us. Yeah, we can't be trusted. You know, we're a bunch of deplorables and we're going to hear that and somehow take a cue, right? We're not, but this is what they tell themselves all day long. We know that when the president speaks to his base, they are listening and they will mobilize and sometimes they will become violent. Donald Trump will continue to make the threats, will continue to make the insults. Um, everything that's happening now will get worse and the Republican Party and the evangelical church will go along with it. Look, angry, unhinged Trump supporters, I, I don't think anyone's surprised to see it. I mean, his, his base supporters tend to be uh, very extreme, very angry. I'm as mag as they come, and I love life. I'm not angry. I mean, yeah, some things infuriate me, like no border, but <laughs> we're going to change that. We're going to fix that. They're trying to, well, stigmatize us, that we're a bunch of insurrectionists. But here's the thing. Uh, they talk about these threats, almost like they want the threats to come in, and they actually do. They want threats, and if they don't get them, they might even make them up, like Eric Swalwell. Remember him? He's still out there. Look, if they say they're threatened, they can go on TV and talk about it and hopefully get security. A bunch of guys with an SUV and wires coming out of their ears. That's what they're all in it for in Washington. They, you know, level death threats against me, my staff, my family. Calling me and threatening to kill my family. And, and oftentimes I get these calls. Recently, someone said that they were going to uh, rape and kill uh, my children, uh, and, and they were using the language that Kevin McCarthy was using. Well, I'm, I'm frankly just tired of these threats uh, coming anonymously to us. Well, I don't know if talking about it is a good idea. I do think he's exaggerating. I don't want anything to happen to him or his children. I would like to see him defeated at the ballot box. Um, but this, he gets political points for this. And we look back, assassinations, they tend to not call up and say, I'm going to assassinate you. That's just not how it works. Again, it's so bizarre and warped right now that this is somehow, 
hate speech. If you go after me, I'm coming after you. Well, that goes for, I think, everybody in politics ever, right? Is it perhaps a warning to some of the Republicans who are thinking they're hearing all the time, if you don't go after Trump, you have no way of beating Trump? That's what they say on the fake news every day. Who's going to? They're goading them into attacking Trump. I don't want anything to happen to anybody, all right? Everybody should be safe. But as they talk about MAGA, they may be taking their eye off the ball because there are crazy people out there and they do crazy things. And judges have been targeted in the past. Let's go through it. I mean, it can be dangerous. We have a marshal service on purpose because there are people out there. By the way, Judge John Wood, you know who killed him? Uh, Woody Harrelson's father. Woody Harrelson, the guy from Cheers? Yeah, the... That's the guy who killed them. Uh, another one. This has happened throughout history, and it's unfortunate, and we don't want it to happen. But if they work themselves up into a frenzy about MAGA like they have about white supremacy, right? Remember, white supremacy is the gravest threat to national security. They could take their eye off the real threat. And that's a genuine concern. And these people... In Washington, they're not professionals. They're so political, and they could make a mistake. What's next? This is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay. That's not correct. Thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that? should resign in disgrace, Judge. Was he awesome or what? Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas. So smart, so strong, so brave. And he sees things before others do. Back in the summer of 2020, he wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, send in the troops. Everything was going crazy on the streets, right, during Black Lives Matter. One thing above all else will restore order to our streets. An overwhelming show of force to disperse, detain, and ultimately deter lawbreakers. He was talking about sending in the National Guard. I don't have a problem with that. I think it would have been a great idea. What happened when he wrote that column? Well. We need to understand the danger of what Senator Tom Cotton says. Our democracy stands on a knife's edge. I abhor Tom Cotton's um, uh, recommendation that basically you treat American cities like Baghdad. What Tom Cotton is proposing is way out of line with the situation. It totally uh, misunderstands the American political system. He has yeah. no excuse for his ignorance. Uh, Tom Cotton went to Harvard Law School. He knows the Constitution of the United States. He has no excuse uh, to engage in this dangerous demagoguery. So this ludicrous overreaction to a very reasonable suggestion in an essay, in the newspaper, which you're allowed to do, right? The editor, the editor at the Times actually got fired. He got fired for running that piece, for thinking, hey, this is an interesting column. Let's put it in there, get people talking about it. Who knows? He got fired. He lost his job about that. And you heard the reaction, putting National Guard troops on the streets. That's why it was unthinkable on January 6th, President Trump made available 10,000 Guard troops. No, 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 we can't have that. The optics, no, that's not the kind of country. Why not? They could have helped. And now we've come full circle. Listen to who is calling for National Guard troops. His name is Trayon White, member of the Washington, D.C. City Council. 
there's a spirit of anarchy and lawlessness rampant through our community. And if you haven't seen it, and you've simply been in the house with your TV off and your ears locked, we are constantly hearing sounds of rapid gunfire, not just at nighttime anymore, early in the morning, during the day, and all day long. So I, I have spoken with the DC National Guard. And while I have to have more conversations with the chief of police, which I have today, and the mayor, and my colleagues, we have a long way to get there. We just know that police alone is not getting it done. Police alone not getting it done. An augmentation from the military. No outrage, nor should there be. It's a reasonable suggestion in a city that is out of control. Take a look. Crime is up 25% compared to this time last year in Washington, D.C., and in cities all across the country. What a shame. So unnecessary. I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. Oh, Mike, you should have just said you were just going to rubber stamp it and just stand there. All right. If you said that, well, the expectations would have been different and a lot of trouble could have been avoided. Now, I think you had the power and a lot of people do to stop counting and send them back to the states. You can have that debate. You didn't. Whatever. Um, this guy's political obituary is being written right now. You heard what he said to Tucker Carlson a couple of weeks ago, that he has more concern for Ukraine than America. He said it out loud. He reemphasized it. He, America is not his concern. I'd like to say it was a gaffe, but he knew, he seemed to know exactly what he was saying. And then there's this. Hey, everybody. Mike Pence here. Remember $2 a gallon gas? I do. All right. Have you seen this by now? He's going to fake the whole thing. Is this trivial? Is this superficial? Maybe a bit, but it also, it's a problem. You can't lead the country if you can't fill your own gas tank. All right. I, he doesn't have his handle on, he doesn't have his hand on the handle. And he didn't put his credit card in. He didn't pay the guy. He's faking it. He's faking it. And I'm sorry, Mike, this is just this is just yet another fiasco as far as I'm concerned. And forget the props. He's done politically, but anybody else, you don't need props anymore. We don't do that. Just talk right to the camera and say what you feel. Right, President Reagan? To preserve our peace and our freedom, we must maintain a margin of safety, not numerical superiority in arms and armament, but a margin of safety that is a combination, a balance of a strong economy, mutual respect and unity among our great allies and a revitalized up-to-date military capability no gimmicks just say it and you know who was watching very carefully back in the 1980s zero chance that china would be opening military facilities in cuba if i were president it's very simple powerful straightforward Mike Pence with the props, the phony props, and the <laughs> give it up. Uh, I wonder what he's going to do. Uh, not politics. When we come back, the truth about what happened in Montgomery, what the media refuses to tell you because they're afraid.
Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. All right, yeah, bad fight in Montgomery, Alabama. I didn't like it. I didn't like what I saw, but uh, I don't have all the information and uh, whatever. Fights all over the country all the time. And, yeah, they're ganging up on that guy. I don't know. Oh, boy, yeah, tough, tough, bad. But um, let's get real, right? (laughs) There are wars going on. There are fights like this all over the country. The reason why this is a big deal is because the media wants this very much to be the white people are bad and the black people are good. It is a black and white story in their mind. And you got to remember that the white people are the bad people. Right. All right. Got to. The white people are the aggressors. Don't forget that. They're afraid you're going to forget that. So they're going to remind you 57 times. The video shows as Pickett is arguing with that white man, another white man, shirtless, rushes in and hits Pickett in the face. Then several other white people join in. These white people, there's so many white people. All right. It's fascinating what they focus on and what they ignore. One white person who goes unmentioned in 95% of the reports is a white woman in red sitting down. Can you see her? I'm guessing she's 55, 60, maybe younger, maybe older. I don't know. Um, But she's getting beat up pretty severely. The people beating her up happen to be black black women, actually. And then a black man gets a few punches in. And then a black man tries to kill the white woman with a chair. Did you see that? A chair to the head? That's worse than anything that happened to the assistant boat captain. I'm sorry. It's, uh, you could die that way. And why aren't I seeing this anywhere? Because it, it makes the story more complicated, right? I mean, in America right now, there's Black Lives Matter, and that's beautiful, and then there's white supremacy and white people, and that's all awful, right? White supremacy is awful, but they hype it out of control. You know that. Everybody knows that. So that was a pretty serious blow to the head, don't you think? Don't you think that's part of the story? I do. NBC Nightly News doesn't think so. This new video shows other men coming to Pickett's aid as the altercation escalates. The unfolding fight, largely along racial lines, fueling questions about possible hate crime charges. Though the chief says there's currently no evidence that would meet the FBI's standard for that. There was no stone unturned. No stone unturned. Uh, But the media left all kinds of stones (laughs) unturned, right? Like that woman getting beaten over the head. Now, yeah, I saw a guy getting hit over the head, happened to be white, getting hit over the head. He was one of the aggressors. So that's one of the reasons why I'm not thinking that that, you know, this is part of the story, isn't it? And here's another network. Again, they have resources. I saw this video two days ago while I was in the bathtub and they have reporters on the scene pretending it didn't happen. All of a sudden, black eyewitnesses who were watching decided to jump in and help the captain, running, even swimming up to the scene. Oh, my God! Beating back the people who attacked the man, one of them using a folded chair to hit someone over the head. 
Tonight, police say that man with the chair is wanted for questioning. All right, hit someone over the head. The white man over the head. Um, the white woman, they don't even show it. They don't show it. I'll show you again. She's getting beaten up. She's getting kicked by, happens to be two white women, and then actually, I'm sorry, two black women. And I hate talking about race all the time, to be honest. I really do. People are people, don't you think? Our media, they want us at each other's throats. And that's awful. Why? For money, power, profit. That's it. Let's not give them the satisfaction. I'll be right back. September 11th, 2001. Do you remember? It's hard to believe that there are people now graduating from college who were not even alive on 9-11. But the world changed. And uh, some people are still paying a huge price for what happened on that day. You know, the hijackers, they were almost all from Saudi Arabia. And there have been long-standing questions and concerns about what the Saudi government did or did not do uh, to prevent this from happening. Nevertheless, Saudi Arabia remains a strong ally of the United States. Joe Biden, um, early in his administration with MBS, the crown prince over there, but it's not just Democrats. Donald Trump, strong relationship with Saudi Arabia. George W. Bush, strong America has a strong relationship with Saudi Arabia. And we have this. A tentative deal between the U.S. and the Saudis. Saudi Arabia to recognize Israel. The United States to provide security guarantees. And the U.S. to provide civilian nuclear help. Brett Eagleson is the president of 9-11 Justice. Represents a grassroots movement made up of the 9-11 community who are now suffering fatal illnesses due to their ground zero exposure. He also lost his father, Bruce, at the towers. And he was just, Brett was just 15 years old at the time. And um, uh, Brett, very sorry about that. Brett Eagleson, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, uh, thank you for having me on. This is still America. We still have a right for uh, to speak and to speak out. And uh, despite what you said in the opening, that administration after administration from Bush to Obama to Biden to Trump um, um, has covered up the Saudi role, at least we still have a platform to speak freely. And, and I applaud you and I applaud the members of your audience for allowing me to come on and talk about the connections between Saudi Arabia and 9-11, very real connections. FBI connections, connections that we were only able to see um, about two years ago when President Biden himself declassified the 9-11 documents. So so thank you, sir, uh, for allowing us to come on and raise this point to America because uh, we're still suffering and we still want resolution and justice and accountability. All right. Please do. Thank you for being here. I, I want to make sure, though, I I just characterized it as a strong relationship, which which it is. I mean, it's tight. My understanding is, though, that there's a lot of things they may not have done and a lot of things our government knew, especially the FBI and the situation in San Diego. So, you know, the agreements, the Abraham Accords and the normalization of everything. Tell us what we should know, because we're 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 all ears. Sure. Well, I mean, we, we hear a lot about uh, mutual assured security. We hear a lot about um, not wanting China to have influence in Saudi Arabia. We hear a lot about um, 
you know, this is good for Israel, it's good for the Palestinians. And, and we don't disagree with any of that. In fact, we, we, we are not against peace. Uh, uh, we, are, we are the strongest uh, supporters of peace after having our loved ones uh, uh, egregiously murdered. Uh, we stand for, for peace and justice, but what we want America to know and we want the current administration to know and the former administration to know is that we have credible evidence. These aren't my words, they're not our lawyers' words. The FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation has found that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia had intelligence officers in the United States government working to support those hijackers. So when you're at the table negotiating peace, do not forget about the 9-11 community. And listen, the blame goes full circle. President Trump himself said in 2016, live on Fox News, he said Saudi Arabia knocked down those towers. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is Google it. In 2016, President Trump, to his credit, accurately proclaimed the kingdom of Saudi Arabia was behind 9-11. It wasn't Iraq. Iraq was a terrible foreign policy decision. It was Saudi Arabia. In 2019, President Trump met with myself former members of the FBI and a dozen 9-11 family members, and he promised us that he would release those documents. One day later, the deep state in this country, Bill Barr and all of his cronies, convinced President Trump to invoke the state secrets principle, keeping those documents secret, but President Trump went along with it. We didn't find out until 2021 from an executive order from President Biden that the very documents that President Trump kept secret were the documents that we need to win in court. They're the documents that say Saudi Arabia had 12 Saudi government officials in this country supporting 9-11 hijackers. And here we are coming up on a weekend where former President Trump is hosting the Saudi kingdom at another one of his golf courses in another live uh, uh, golf tournament. So, look, we, we are here looking Brett, for a let chance. Brett, uh, let's uh, have a, I got to jump in here for a moment. Thank you. And thank you for telling us all that, your point of view. Let me ask you something. The kingdom of Saudi Arabia, our government is big, complex and weird. OK, and not every aspect of the government knows what every other aspect of the government is doing. And I do believe the deep state is real and there's very little accountability. And it seems like the people aren't in charge. Is it the same situation in Saudi Arabia? You know, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia had intelligence agents. Do you think this was a government wide effort by the Saudis to be involved in 9-11? Or is it some sort of like you know, rogue intelligence offshoot of the Saudis? Know what, what I mean? I, sure. What I can say is only what I know, and I'm only going to talk about the facts, and I'm only going to point to the documents. And the documents that we have definitively say that our own FBI, and if you trust our FBI, and I say that with a caveat, if you trust our FBI, their intelligence says that there were a dozen Saudi government officials in this country using the, using the networks of their embassy to assist the 9-11 hijackers. One of those Saudi government officials was a Saudi intelligence agent. Now, let me so ask you, you this. Can, you can draw your own conclusions, and the audience can draw their own conclusions. No, I need a lot more information. I got I got Brett, I'm on your side here, because this is important. But when you say assist the hijackers, assist them in what way? Assist them in that they were updating their visas, you know, the kinds of things that <laughs> embassies do for citizens in other countries or enrolling them further. in flight school and stuff like yeah. that and making sure that they were learning how to fly and all the money and whatever. Thank you for making that distinction, right? It goes much further than just stamping a passport, for example. 
Omar al-Bayoumi, for example, is the Saudi intelligence agent that I'm referring to. He is the one that co-signed their leases. He is the one that reported to the Saudi embassy in Washington. He is the one that reported to Mossad al-Jarrah, who was one rung below Prince Bandar. Omar al-Bayoumi was making sure that they were in flight school, was making sure they were attending flight school, was making sure that they had money, was regularly checking in on the hijackers and reporting this back to Mossad al-Jarrah, who was sitting in Washington one seat next to Prince Bandar, who was in President Bush's ear. So that's the level that we're talking about here. It goes all the way to the top levels of the Saudi government in this country. Brett Eagleson, it's fascinating. I have a lot to learn about this, and I am uh, open-minded to be sure and deeply suspicious of the FBI and a lot of other institutions. So uh, we can go to 911justice, 911justice.org. And anywhere else we should check out? 911justice.org. You can see our fight. You can you can donate if you care to support our fight for transparency and closure and justice. Um, but, but yeah, you can Google us, too. You can just Google 9-11 Saudi Arabia and all the news comes up. What did your dad do for a living? He worked for a company called Westfield. Uh, they owned and operated malls on the East Coast. My dad was on temporary assignment uh, in the World Trade Center. He was not supposed to be there that day. But he was because the assignment was long overdue, and he actually um, survived the impacts of, of both planes. Uh, he called my oldest brother, said that he was okay, and he stayed behind to help evacuate others. And he was actually climbing back up the, the tower to grab radios to give to the FDNY, who was having a hard time communicating with each other. So my dad, it, you know, it's bittersweet, but, but he died a hero that day, and we're incredibly proud of him. We're, listen, at the end of the day, we are the biggest patriots. I fly a big old American flag in my front yard. I love this country, yep. but I'm suspicious of my government, and, I, and I would love to change. Yeah. Brett Eagleson, thank you very much. To be continued, 911justice.org. Check it out. Thank you, Brett, and we'll be right back. It's true. I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show for the news you need to know. All right. Look at this headline from Newsweek magazine. Does Ukraine have compro, Matt, on Joe Biden? This piece by Max Abrams got a lot of attention. Now, what is Compromat. Compromat is uh, compromising information that is used to blackmail or discredit a person or group, usually for political purposes. Could that be Joe Biden? Well, very much so. Uh, let's bring in our guest, Max Abrams, international relations professor at Northeastern University. Great piece. Welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, well, he has been doing a lot of things over there for a long time. What is your sense? And tell us a little bit more about your piece, if you don't mind. I'm happy to have this opportunity. Um, it, it, the, the title is a bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, I'm using the word compromise almost facetiously because the first time that I really started hearing a lot about this word was during the Trump presidency. And it seemed like every day there was some, you know, mainstream media outlet saying that Russia had compromised on President Trump. And usually what they meant by that was these, uh, you know, key tapes 
of when Trump traveled to Moscow and allegedly uh, prostitutes, you know, peed on him, urinated on him, and Russia then possessed this super incriminating evidence against the president. And as a consequence of that, the Dem you know, Democrats would argue that therefore Russia had a lot of control over President Trump, that, that Trump was a, a Russian asset, right? We heard this a number of times. No, we, a, we heard it all the time. We, uh, Professor, here, I'll, uh, I'll give you an example of what you were just talking about, which has all been debunked. We all know it comes from the Steele dossier, and it even came from some Democrat who lived in Virginia who made the stuff up. They tracked it down. The Durham report has that. But here's the mainstream yeah. media uh, unleashing this compromise uh, for basically four yeah, years. And, and oh, one second, one second, sir. Down. Listen to this. The dossier, reportedly written by Christopher Steele, goes on to say the Russians have compromised on Trump. In English, we'd call that blackmail. Donald Trump is a walking example of how any intelligence officer could turn someone against their own nation. He went to the Russians and sought their help and their compromise uh, about Hillary Clinton. I think that uh, you see, I mean, even Rosie O'Donnell was talking about compromise. Now you don't hear about compromise all that much. Thanks to you, it's been reintroduced because circumstantially there seems to be a lot of compromise potential around the Bidens. Yeah, the, 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 the case for Ukrainian officials having compromise on Biden is much, much stronger than, uh, you know, all those Trump allegations. When, when we talk about Biden's corruption, I think it's useful to think about two different types of corruption, two different problems that he has, which are interrelated. But the first, of course, is the influence peddling. The fact that his son um, was being paid explicitly um, by this, uh, you know, corrupt Ukrainian energy giant Burisma, uh, solely because Joe Biden was the vice president at the time. And the evidence for that has increased, actually, over even just the past couple weeks. We saw that uh, Hunter's former friend and business partner who was on the board at Burisma has testified before, uh, you know, closed door behind a congressional uh, group, um, basically saying that the reason why Hunter was being paid millions of dollars was essentially because of Joe Biden, was because of the brand, and the brand was Joe Biden. And contrary to what Biden was saying about not knowing what his son does or how he makes his money, in fact, Joe, you know, called in and was listening in on speakerphone over 20 times. And so we know that Joe used his power as vice president in order to help enrich his family, right? So that's that's one set of allegations. And the other is that as vice president, Biden fired the essentially the attorney general of Ukraine at that time. Now, Biden has always said that the reason why that attorney general was fired was because he was corrupt. But more and more, the evidence looks like Biden fired that essentially attorney general because they were investigating the uh, Burisma and that that investigation was going to lead to 
um, Joe's son. And so those are the two main sets of allegations. And I think that Biden increasingly is feeling the heat because the evidentiary basis for both of them has been increasing. Well, sir, as you're an academic and I somewhat aware of uh, the pressures that exist in that world. And it's so nice and refreshing that you're following the the evidence and um, the the hype that was around Donald Trump and the fiction and the real information and evidence around Joe Biden. Compromise, compromise. You don't hear it anymore, but even though... You know, I, I hope that we do hear it more because we heard it so much I, during I the Trump run, administration sir. and it seems more relevant now. Uh, thank you so much, Professor, and um, good stuff indeed. Uh, Professor Max Abrams at Northeastern. We'll be right back. Thanks for having me. Joe Biden has a lot of stuff, doesn't he? Fancy car, fancy houses, fancy clothes. Um, and we know, we suspect strongly that he's a corrupt politician. It's a reasonable um, observation at this point, really. And it's not just some run-of-the-mill corruption. Um, our enemies may have stuff on Joe Biden, like President Xi of China. And if he does, what does that mean for all of us and for the world? Mark Simone, talk show host at iHeartRadio, and Dick Morris, host of Dick Morris Democracy, advisor to President Trump, and author of The Return, Trump's big 2024 comeback. Uh, Dick and Mark, welcome. Uh, and, and Donald Trump, he really seems to be keenly aware of the vulnerabilities and how they can be exploited by our enemies, right, Dick? Yeah, well, he sure did a great job of it in the interview with Eric Bowen. Uh, <clears throat> I think the key thing is, that we sometimes look at corruption in a political campaign and the government. We say, ah, just, just, he stole some money, he bought himself a fancy car, he paid for some vacations, he got some flights he shouldn't have gotten for free. But what Trump did in this interview, and he's doing on the, on the stump increasingly, is to tie all of the major problems we have domestically in the United States and showing how China is causing them and Biden is letting it happen. You start with the idea that he's never held China account for the COVID virus. He never even made them open their labs and stuff to inspectors. That now they're working with other countries to undermine the dollar and get rid of it, which will have a huge impact on jobs in America. That he hasn't done anything to stop China from stealing our jobs and our technology. That he's let China off the hook on the global warming conference and everybody else had to tighten their belt and cut way back on their economies and China opens a new coal plant every week. Yeah, Dick, you know, it seems incredibly obvious. Mark, it seems like you can see it from space. Yet he gets to <laughs> walk around and he's never confronted by the press corps once in a blue moon, maybe as he's walking to the helicopter. That's it. Well, yeah, all of you in the press, all of you media, you know, Democrats, you're going to have to just wrap your head around this. He's clearly guilty. Nothing else would explain all of this stuff. And he has lied every single time since the beginning. Remember the beginning? He said, I didn't know my son was on the board of Burisma. That turned out to be a lie. A little later, I had to admit it. Every step of the way, I didn't know anything about my son. I never talked to my son about his business. There's no father in America that's never talked to his son about his business. It's impossible. And that nothing else in the world could explain this. He's clearly guilty. The guys paying him are the shrewdest gangsters on earth. They don't pay millions of dollars unless they know they're getting something for it. 
And, you know, can I see that uh, picture of Joe Biden with all the stuff, the houses, the cars, the tuxedo? You know, when I look at him, I don't see this is not what public service is supposed to look like, Dick. I mean, my understanding, and you work pretty closely with Bill Clinton, when he was in government, when he was governor and even president, he wasn't there was a point where he wasn't that interested in money. Joe Biden seems to be totally interested in money, big time. Um, you can see it. He wears it. Am I right about Bill Clinton, by the way? I could be wrong. No, no. Hillary, Bill could, could give a damn, but Hillary wanted every dime and focused on it incredibly. It was her main subject in life. But um, getting back to, to Biden, remember that when this guy became vice president, his net worth after 36 years in the Senate was $24,000. And uh, then in one year after he... After he left the vice presidency, he made $17 million that he reported. And God knows how much that he made that he didn't report. And uh, this wasn't a slow rags to riches thing. This was an explosion. And But the, the point is that he's not just taking bribes from some sewage contractor to build sewers or from some car contractor to supply cars. He's taking it from our worst enemy who is using all of that to undermine this country and causing many of the most important problems that we have. And that connection which Trump made tonight, I think, is the key one. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see that Eric Bowling interview. Uh, very fantastic. Hey, uh, I know you've been with Joe Biden before, Mark. You've seen him at uh, banquets and the like. He does wear very fancy clothes. You know, I mean, like this this jacket that he wore a lot during the campaign, it had a sweater connected to the jacket. It's a Corneliani. And this whole nonsense about working class Scranton lunch pail Joe, that 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 was over if it ever was a long time ago. Yeah, every selling point he has to get elected is gone. I'm a uniter. I'm a healer. That's completely gone. I'm an honest, decent guy. Nobody's buying that anymore. Lunch bucket, uh, working class Joe, nobody's buying that anymore. I'm a lovable grandfather. Well, he proved he's not with that seventh grandchild. All the selling points are gone for 2024. Oh, my gosh, you're right. That grandchild, that grandchild finally acknowledged on a Friday night Unbelievable. The worst of the worst. Well, Dick Morris, thank you very much. Uh, everybody get the book. If you haven't already, sold a lot of copies. Congratulations. Trump's big 2024 comeback. You were right every step of the way. And please check out Mark Simone on iHeartRadio. It's absolute genius. Thank you both. And we'll be right back. Have you heard about the big fire in Hawaii on the island of Maui? Absolutely huge. Uh, you can tell, right? Now, they don't know how this fire started yet. And you know, this footage is pretty intense. I've seen, gosh, hundreds of cars burned out. Some people, the fire was raging and they had to jump in the ocean to get away from the fire. Six people killed at this point. We still don't know how it started. Yikes, bad stuff. Um, all right. Well, thank you for watching and see you tomorrow.